Cool it, people. Cool it. Welcome, one and all, to another book review. And today I have a little bit of an interesting one. I got the book Cool It by Bjorn Bjorn Lomborg, however you say that Danish name. And the subtitle is The Skeptical Environmentalist Guide to Global Warming. So, yes, the mere mortals are diving into a very heated debate. And this could be a, a little bit of an interesting one. So, why did I read this book? Where did it first jump out jump out to me i heard him on a conversation with the author that is bjorn lomborg with uh, jordan b peterson uh on a youtube video titled how to make the world better really with bjorn uh, lomborg and i just found him incredibly i suppose rational incredibly smart and i thought you know what i want to actually read more Uh, see what more this guy has to say and this was one of the first books that really jumped out to me it's been on my reading list for a long time and I finally got around to it so it was published in 2007 and Bjorn Lomborg is a Danish statistician or as well as like a political scientist and this book is the sequel to his very famous book titled The Skeptical Environmentalist which I believe was published in the early 2000s or late 90s and was his take on the global warming and why it was sort of being overblown. So it's a sequel to that. And in this book, he argues against dramatic climate change responses uh, due to overhype and the poor return on investment of what you can actually get. A lot of this book is a rebuttal against Al Gore's An Inconvenient Truth. So it's a little bit dated and it talks a lot about the Kyoto Protocols as well, which are just not as big in the news nowadays as they as they were in the uh, late 2000s. So I suppose the themes of the book, one, the, the main one I sort of got out of it was unemotional realism or rationalism. And there's a strong... Om, om, ominous and pressing consequence of global warming and he believes these are wildly exaggerated so i'll state right here and right at the front he does believe that uh, global warming is real and is man-made and that it is proven that the earth is heating up but i guess we need to remind ourselves of what is the ultimate goal and that is to improve the quality of life and of the environment so he was saying I guess in a lot of the points where, um, you know, people are saying all these bad things are going to happen, all this sort of stuff, he was saying, okay, yes, potentially, but we need to look at what we have, the resources we have right now and what we're going to do about that. So he, he really advocates putting a strong emphasis on, on the data and not getting into this overly emotional state of where it's allowing you to override your, your judgments of what actually would be the best practical solution and what actually is realistic and what isn't. So many times in the books, he talks about how, you know, scientists and the media are using certain ways of just overinflating this, hyping this up where they'll take the absolute worst, 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 worst case scenario and not acknowledge that, okay, there's the other scenarios which are, you know, almost (laughs) the complete opposite in terms of effects and we need to be realistic in judging of what actually is likely to happen and using, I suppose, just just smart decision-making. So, you know, you, you wouldn't get super emotional about buying a box of cereal or, or super emotional about certain things. And yet that can lead to really bad outcomes if you're doing it on such a big scale. So... 
The second theme I think is is trade-offs and return on investment of, of thinking effectively. And smarter solutions are necessary in deciding our priorities. So he believes the Kyoto Protocols are a poor investment of $180 billion a year, which is what they would cost. So there's a, a table in the book right at the end, which sort of summarizes his his views on a lot of the things here. So some of the stuff he he talks about in the book that that people or the Kyoto Protocols are meant to address are things like polar bears, which are you know you know they're potentially dying and losing their habitats, temperature deaths, so people dying from the heat, flooding, hurricanes, malaria, poverty, starvation, water stress. Um, these are the main ones which people say the global warming is going to increase all these things. It's an existential threat. We need to address this. What he does, though, is he shows there's two columns in this, and I'll sort of hold it up. I don't know if you can see that um, so well in the video, but there's basically two columns. One is the, the feel good, and the other column is the doing good. And so he basically just argues like, yes, there are these problems, but... They're not as big as you think they are and there's better ways of dealing with them versus, uh, you know, making tremendous carbon taxes, putting tremendous amounts of economic investment into certain areas which aren't necessarily going to lead to the the benefits or the, the fixing of solutions that we want. So polar bears, for example, he says, you know, yes, they potentially could lose a little bit of their, their, um, their habitat which will re- equal roughly uh, 0.06 polar bears per year dying, but uh, 49 polar bears are killed by shooting in in um, Canada like per year or like an absurd number. So why, if you want to save polar bears, wouldn't the best idea be to fix the solution of, of where they're really getting hurt, which is people bloody shooting them in, in Canada? So there's there's sort of lots of these areas where it's like, yes, global warming is going to, it result in increased, um, you know, land uh, water levels. So uh, I think it was three centimeters is the rough two to three centimeters by in a hundred years time is, is the rough sort of guesstimate. And he's just saying, look, if that's a problem, there's much better ways we can do uh, deal with that, such as um, levy, uh, levies, levies. I think that's how you say it. Um, you know, making those better, being more critical about our water plans our flooding plans things like that our breaches how we prepare for the worst events and whatnot rather than investing all this time energy money into carbon taxing um, and you know trying to reduce the amount of stuff that we're putting out into the air uh, he also had some great points of how you know if what when you talk to some of these people what is it that they really want is because there's some solutions for example where you can reduce the amount of carbon in the air by potentially like growing algae in the sea these absorb carbon and when they die they fall down to the bottom and so they're trapped on the bottom of the the ocean but people don't want to hear that they just want to stop the big bad companies expelling you know carbon out into the air understandable the you know the coal is not a renewable resource and where it's eventually going to run out someday but you do need to be a little bit realistic and say, okay, what is it you're actually trying to do? If if you're trying to, you know, make the argument that we're we're trying to save the world by doing this by reducing all these bad things, okay, that's good. Or is it that you just really want to stop carbon being put into the air? That's fine, but you just need to, you know, make clear which of these is actually important and what 
what is important for for humanity as a whole. So uh, I, I found that quite interesting. The um, there's a bunch of other things like temperature deaths, for example. It's real interesting where he was saying, okay, yes, more people will die because it's hotter, but on the whole, it's actually a good thing because less people will die from the cold, which is, you know, more the cold kills more people than the heat kills people per year. So actually having global temperatures raising is actually a sort of good thing in terms of life saved for humanity. Just small points like that where you go, oh, okay, yeah, that's the opposite side of the argument. I didn't realize that, yes, it's bad. It's bad thing more people die from the heat, but isn't it an even better thing that less people die from the cold? Just an interesting point. So, some of my personal observations. This is the book that I wish Doing Good Better could have been, and I think one of the reasons for this is it started slow with with facts that ended up being really hard to ignore. So when I first started reading the book. I sort of felt like I was trudging along because he was spending so much time going deep into the details, arguing almost point by point a lot of the different areas about the polar bears or the hurricanes or the other, you know, the water level rising, water stress, whatever it was. And I found that at the start to be like, oh God, man, there's a lot of stuff. But the more I got into it, the more I just started seeing like, oh, okay, he's using a very rational argument here. He's looking, he's being very fair and treating both sides of the 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 um, the story with with fairness, or at least I felt that coming through. So, uh, whereas if you compare that to doing good better, a very similar argument in terms of being unemotional, rational with using resources and thinking of trade offs, return on investments, things like that. But it didn't use the hard data that this one did, or the statistics, which made uh, you know for a very very compelling case. Whereas doing good better, you know, sort of had a little bit, but wasn't as uh, convincing for me personally. Uh, like I mentioned, I didn't think it, he characterized unfairly the other sides of the arguments. And he did acknowledge he took, you know, great pains to say where these people are right, why their heart might be in the right place, but they're not, you know, particularly thinking of the best way of doing things, i.e., you know, good intentions not always leading to good outcomes. He also provides uh, some reasonable proposals for effective change at the end of the book. So, uh, you know, small, uh, a small carbon tax and using a small percentage GDP of each country. I believe it was like 0.15% or 0.015% to invest in new cleaner technologies or in, in the R&D of cleaner technologies. And then he also just talks about like, okay, if we were going to use the Kyoto Protocols, $180 billion a year with $52 billion a year, you can fix all these little individual things by going after them directly, going after directly the, um, the, the polar bear deaths by, you know, hunters going directly after water stress by building better dams or whatever it is. So, uh, I found it very, very convincing and like the book was good in that, he gave solid proposals as well. It wasn't just saying, no, you're like, this is incorrect. He was saying, no, this is incorrect. And this is maybe the better way of doing it. So in summary, I found it a book of solid rational sense from start to finish. He argues against the hyperbole of global warming and is supported by data of why it's not an existential threat and why we should, you know, tone it down a little bit. The, the book, cool it, uh, the, the name implies sort of two things. One is cool it with 
regards to you know the topic at hand global warming but also cool it with regards to how we're talking about this and sort of raising the 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 level the noise level of the argument from maybe up here to you know just a little bit down and we can talk a bit more rationally about it he provides simple solutions uh, to fix the problems that we all acknowledge as well. I, I found it very, very convincing. So I'm giving the book Cool It by Bjorn Lomborg a 7.5 out of 10. I found it surprisingly convincing, especially considering that it started off slow for me. I've, I thought it was going to be a bit of a drag, but by about a quarter of the way into the book, it started picking up steam and I was going, oh, okay, this is interesting. I like this guy's way of thinking. So... Uh, what's something pragmatic I'm going to take from the book? Well, I think if you're if arguing rationally or unemotionally, then you also need to bring the data and the facts. So this is sort of comparing it to doing good better. If that's what you're trying to do, don't you, you, it, it needs to be supported by something. And that's what I felt the book Doing Good Better, which was about effective altruism, didn't do well. It didn't bring like hard data and facts of of just like, you know, almost beating you over the head with this stuff. But that's also what you sort of need sometimes. You sort of need so much, you know, convincing to, to be able to get there. So uh, I found this very intriguing book. I'll probably in the future read more from um, Mr. Lomborg. And yeah, that's it for today. A recommendation. I would say this is a good book for people who, who maybe feel the the debate is is being a little bit it's it's too full on it's it's um who want a, i guess a a rational a maybe not rational but un, unemotional look at the the climate change sort of debate and what we should do from that and to maybe have more of a natural tilt to being uh you know thinking in that sort of mathematically minded way of you know numbers hard data and producing good outcomes rather than doing things that we think will make us feel good so that's it for today. What do you think of Mr. Bjorn Lomborg? Uh, do you disagree with him? Do you disagree with this book? Uh, I found it quite interesting, but I know there is other sides to the story as well. So that's it for today. Give a thumbs up, a like if you can. That would be much appreciated if you're watching on YouTube. If you're listening to the audios, a five stars or a nice review would also be appreciated. Uh, other than that, thanks for listening. I hope you got some value from this. Karen out.